0: Right, Olympics. See, uh, people that don't don't like sports, I guess, don't know. But I like the Olympics. How many like the Olympics? Anybody? Okay, we got someone like to watch them. I love to watch the Olympics. Of course, my favorite part is when, when they're standing on the gold to get the gold medal, and their our song and national anthem plays. Ooh, that just gives me goosebumps. I like. Uh, so I like the Olympics, and um, it seems like a lot of stuff to go through for four, every four years, doesn't it? And it, but of course, they have world champions and things like that. Did you watch the opening ceremonies? I really, I, I, I didn't understand everything that was going on, but I enjoyed it. I liked the Olympics. And uh, I, oh man, I forgot to wear my hat today. I was going to wear my Olympic hat today. Excuse me. Will you wait, and I'll go home and get it. I'll be back in. I'll be back in thirty minutes. Okay. <laughs> but I like the Olympics. And I was trying to think, you know, on this, I, I was working on a different sermon for this morning. I'm, I was going to return to my Sermon on the Mount series. And then Thursday, I remember, oh, man, opening ceremonies, Olympics. So I thought, okay, I need to go a different direction. Sometimes you have to do that. And uh, I feel like, you know, if God wants me to do something differently, that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, and it's really good because as we watch the Olympics, we become more aware of things that, things that athletes do. I'm a you, I watch that snowboarding stuff, and I don't know how in the world they ever do that stuff. Man, and the moguls, their knees are going. I thought, man, they're like drilling, you know, one of those things, they'll drill the seamen up, jackhammers. Oh, man, it makes my, made my knees hurt. And when they fall, oh, one fell and broke their rib, I'm going, oh, man, well, you're my age, you'll be sorry. <laughs> Because, how many know? Well, you won't, all well you young people don't know this, but everything you've ever hurt in your life, when you hit about 50, 55, you're going to say, Oh man, what's going on? How come this hurts? And you go, 30 years ago, <laughs> when you did this, this is what it is, and now you it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, if you've never been in anything to hurt your body, you're going to be in better shape. But I wasn't fortunate enough to be in that group. If you can hurt it or whatever, I've done it. So,. And, uh, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful to God because, you know, I've told you many times that I go to the doctors and they look at my things, that's, things that I've had done and all the things that's happened in my life and they go, they come in and they say, man, I was expecting to see somebody in a wheelchair all crippled up. I say, Well, man, I'm amazed. <laughs> and uh, so if you don't believe in miracles, every time you see me up here, it's a miracle. If you would like to see my medical things, then, then you'd uh, maybe appreciate a little bit more than what God can do. But God is, is faithful to help us do whatever he's called us to do, because it doesn't matter what happened in the past, because the past is in the past. The problem we have is we try to bring the past to the present, and we lose our future. That's what happens to us, and that isn't God's will for our life. God's will wants us to, to remember the past, remember where we came from, but then he wants us to focus on the present and be able to do what he's called us to do. And so that's what we're at, and um, I don't really have a lot of things this year to kind of glean from for examples in the Olympics. So I chose the last, last Olympics, which was four years ago, in Vancouver. And if you watched the win, uh, the Olympics last year, uh, during the, uh, what was it, figure skating. Man, we all like fit. Fi- fi- man, I just brushed my teeth, can't do a thing with my mouth here. There we go, got it all tuned up, there we go. Anyway, last Olympics, the men's figure skating people had a hard time with the jumps. Almost every one of them was falling all over the, all over the ice. And we going, oh man, and our guys, Coach said when our guys fall, it really irritates me. Don't mind it so much if the Russians fall or the Canadians fall or whatever. But when we fall, oh, it's almost as bad as that Super Bowl last week, <laughs> you know? I mean, it wasn't, one, it wasn't a shining moment in our, in our house. But uh, it, well, I survived, and I'm glad they had the Olympics to take my mind off, the, off of it. <laughs> but I didn't forget about it, and uh, I, put, I was going to bring a thing today, and I forgot to look for it. And I, if, if you're on my Facebook, you'll be, uh, remember the picture of Peyton Manning sitting there and said he tried to throw in the towel, but it was intercepted. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. Uh, and I knew he was in trouble the first play when it went, and went I thought, oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> But uh, Manning was a a class act right after the game. He went and hunted down hurt, in the game won how he was. I mean, that guy's got class. And that's kind of a good example for us, and it kind of ties in with what we're doing. Because it doesn't matter what we do in the past. We can start a race, but it's how we finish. There's a lot of people that used to go to this church that aren't here now because they started, but they aren't finishing. You got to finish. It doesn't matter. You know, you got to stay in the game. You got to stay in the race, because one day we're going to be called. Whether it's through death or through the rapture, we're, you know, and then we're going to, and God's going to be concerned with how we finished. It doesn't matter what I did thirty years ago. I mean, it's great because what I did thirty years ago has helped me be what I am today. And you know, I, I, a lot of people say, I wouldn't, "Well, I wouldn't go back for nothing." To, to try and live those years over again, unless I knew what I know now. But I'm not sure, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of things in my life I don't want to relive, whether it's painful or not. Couldn't you say that too? So, but to, how are we going to finish? You know, a lot of people are on fire for God, and they serve God, and they come, and they want to get involved, and they start doing things, and then life happens. That's why a lot of people here. life happens. When you come to know God, life is going to happen. That every day, sometimes it's just every day things, and, and we just keep so busy, or we have a problem, and, and then we, oh, what's the use? But it's how you finish. and uh, But anyway, um, we had, a, what was his name? I can't think of his name. I got it here somewhere. Anyway, we had a nice uh, skater, oh, there he goes, Evan Lonsky. You might remember him. If you've seen it, you'd know. And he was did a short performance that he was working on that they have a short performance and a long performance, and now this year I'm glad they've had more figure skating and had team events. I like that. Because <laughs> that's more of it. Because I tell you it's amazing to me. They had one guy on the figure skating that the girl was like four foot eleven and he was like six eleven, I think. You know, I'm going, hey man, he's throwing her up there and I thought, man, she needs oxygen <laughs> to get up there. But it just amazed me and I thought, man, what is this? You know, because they look like this. And going down here, trying to, man, it'd be hard. But anyway, it's amazing what they can do. And when they make it look easy, that's when you know they're good. And uh, I was telling Randy, I was watching that. When I was younger, I used to roller skate. I loved roller skating. I never ice skated in my life. But I had this guy that was teaching me a lot of things, and he used to spin me around. And I'd get my worm, I'd put my feet behind his neck, and he'd twirl me around. That'd scare me to death. Now, I think I was what? 17 or 16 or 17, that age, when I was young and stupid, I didn't think of what happened if my foot come loose. Because phew. anyway, Anyway, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. So I kind of appreciate some of that stuff that they do because they make it look easy, but it's not. And I've kind of feel bad for the guys that have to throw the women up and, and do all these things. And they throw them through their legs. Oh, McKinney just amazes me. I love watching it. So but anyway, he missed his jumps in his short performance. But then it was time for the, his long performance. And long means it's longer than the short one. <laughs> but anyway, he was getting ready for that, and he g- got the stomach flu. And so to add to bad performance, now he's, he's got the stomach flu, and he's having, had an IV the day before trying to get some liquids in him, because when you have the stomach flu, you spend, your, you spend all your time on the porcelain throne, With your head, it doesn't matter, but you know. And so it isn't something that you want to do. And I don't know if I've ever had to do a lot of things. Well, I used to work when I was sick because my theology was, hey, I want to stay home when I feel good. Who wants to stay home when you're sick? You know, doesn't make any sense? I'll be miserable at work. But anyway, uh, it's hard to do that. Trying to do anything physically when you don't feel good. So come the day of the, the event, and he hadn't practiced. He couldn't do anything, but all he did was rest. But what he did was he focused his mind on what he was going to do. He sit there and he went through his mind everything that he was going to do. Every part of that long performance. That's the only practice he could do. That's the only preparation he could do was during that period of time. But he didn't give up and he ended up with a silver medal. Which was awesome considering what he had to go through. But see, a lot of times, we don't know all those kind of things, the struggles that athletes go through. Sometimes we do. Sometimes they'll mention them. But I didn't know anything about this until when I was looking back on it. I don't, don't remember him talking about it. But this was unsuspected, and some of the people didn't like it <laughs> that he got the medal, and they didn't. Of course, that's usual, isn't it? So, but he didn't give up or give in. He did his best, and he finished well. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to finish well. Now, Life is sometimes like that experience in the, in the Olympics. You have to struggle, you have to work through the things and, and do those kind of things if you want to finish well. In 1 Timothy 4 7 and 4 7 and others. But when we, sometimes, you know, we are, have Kim because we slip and we fall. Sometimes we slide across the ice or slide across life with our issues that we have. And it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, it's, you have just have to get up one more time and you get knocked down. That's all, that's all you have to do. It sounds simple, but it's not. I remember my oldest brother, of course, I was, I was a lot, you would say what, he's about six years, I guess, older than I was, or seven years. And um, he didn't like, of course, let all of you know that when you got little brother and sisters that much age gap when you're a teenager and they're, you know, nine or 10, you don't really want them hanging around. And so I was very quiet and shy and didn't, get, didn't cause any problems, you know. <laughs> But anyway, him and I, would seemed like we always got into it. And he used to, I mean, we used to fight, you know. We used to punch, fight, whatever. And he kept knocking me down because he's bigger than I am. I was, you know, I was 9 or 10, and he was like 17. And he kept knocking me down, and I'd get up. And he'd keep knocking me down again, and I'd get up again. And he says, stay down. I says, I will not. Pretty soon you're going to get tired of beating me up <laughs> because that's my theology. You know, I have a hard time not finishing something I start. That's why I try to be careful about the things that are start, because i got to finish it and lead away at me in order to do it. So I want to finish well. And so to everyone during these, uh, I guess it's two weeks, 15 days, whatever it is at the Olympics, people want to finish well. It doesn't matter what they did in the qualifying round. It doesn't matter at the other championships they've had. That isn't going to affect nothing there. They have to finish well if they want to win the prize. And that's what we want to do, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hallelujah, that's Paul's testimony. That's what I want my testimony to be when it's my turn to go. I want that to be my testimony. I want to finish well. Philippians three thirteen and 14. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. That's my goal. I want to do that. I want to forget about the things I couldn't do in the past. My failures and all those other kind of things. I want to remember them because I don't want to repeat them. See, that's the problem with history. They say the problem with history, if you don't listen to it, you're destined to repeat the same thing over again. So if we don't want to repeat history, we've got to look at the past and say, hey, I did that, and it didn't work, so I'm going to try different, something different. I wish our government would learn how to do that, don't you? You know, they uh, sit there and say, we're going to spur the economy by getting, flooding the market with more money to loan and more things like that. And then if they don't work, what do they say? Oh, well, we got to throw more money at it. That's the problem with the government. They want to throw money at it. They think they can solve every problem by more money at it, and you can't. You can't do the same thing over and over again expect a different result. And yet, that's what we do. Not only in the government, we do it in our own lives. We think, well, I didn't do it that, that time because, and we find reasons, try to figure out reasons why it didn't work. Instead of saying, God, is this something you want me to do again? I don't like failing. I hate failure worse than anything. I have a hard time even finishing second. I have a hard time with that. And so I can kind of grasp this more, I guess, maybe than some of you do, because I have such an issue with that. I hate failure. Now, this is what Evan Lensky and Paul did. They struggled in order to win the prize. And Paul, of course, he, we know he's in heaven now. <laughs> but he struggled. His life wasn't a piece of cake. Sometimes I've said, oh, man, I'd like to be another Paul. No, I wouldn't when I look at what he went through. Beat with Rob, rods. Beat with whips on his back three times. I think he beat, I don't know how many, three times the rods and five times. I don't know what it was. He was stoned to death with big rocks. Now, I wouldn't like to be stoned. I've seen, you know, we've kind of looked at it, a little bit of it, but it did not look like it's fun. I don't want anything part of that thing. So I don't want to do that. Of course, some of the things I've, you know, been through, I think, man, my injuries are probably mount up to his from the things that I've been through. And I laugh at the these football players that say, oh, man, i got to have all this insurance for my future because I've had three concussions and it's going to affect me. Well, I've had five concussions. And if you want to know what's the matter with me, I have brain damage. That's the problem. So anyway, I, man, I'd love to have got millions of dollars because of what I did, but I didn't get it. So anyway, it kind of irritates me about these people. But we can overcome difficulties and press on towards the mark. Now, Evan wanted a gold medal, and he strove for the gold medal. Ours isn't a gold medal. Ours is a crown. We're going to have to strive if we want a crown. And that crown is everlasting life. And that's what God will give to each one of us when we stand before him. If we finish well, it isn't going to matter. You can live 30 years of your life on fire for God, and you turn your back on God and walk the other way. It, you don't get credit because all oh, 30 years versus 10 years, it ain't going to work. You have to finish well in order to win the crown. So I want to finish well. And that's what Paul did. Now, how do we finish well? The answer to that question is found in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. This chapter lists people who finished well. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with this chapter. I am. And uh, these are people that, that finished well and they won their crown. Now, I'm going to kind of skip around on these verses because I'd like to read it, read it all, but it'll take a lot of time. You think I'm going to take a lot of time reading a lot of verses anyway, but if I read all of them, and I need some lights up here. Can't read my notes. There we go. Thank you. It says, in verse starting with verse 4a, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Verse 5a, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Jumping to 7a, by faith Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. In eight, verses, verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. We have hard time with that. When God wants us to go somewhere, he... Wants us to go, and we want to know how, when, why, and, and what it's going to cost in advance, don't we? Abraham didn't do that. He just picked up everything and left. Uh, I, I'm kind of laughed because I remember the story of a missionary that was talking about, and he said he was his first experience going on the mission field, and he was a special speaker, evangelist, or whatever over there, and he was preaching away, and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he said, so go and do likewise. Well, the whole congregation got up and walked out. And the evangelist, that would be a blow to the evangelist's window. Hey, what happened to everybody? So he asked, he said, what happened to everything? Everybody, why'd they leave? And he says, well, here they believe if God says something, they do it. So when you tell them to go and do likewise, that's what they were going to do. We need that. Go and do likewise. Don't leave, though, because I'm not through. (laughs) You will miss a good sermon if you leave. God will make sure it is. (laughs) Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Jumping down to verse 23, by faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Jumping on the next next slide, oh you got it, Uh, verse, verse 34, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of, a sea of sin. Man, we need to learn that one, don't we? We don't realize how short life is because it is. We think, well, man, you know, 70 years or 80 years is a long time to live, unless you're 81. <laughs> then it isn't very long. It doesn't seem very long. And you know, I look at my, at my age and I think, man not you know, I don't think I'm old, but how can I be like that? I know I'm old because I look in the mirror and somebody keeps jumping up in front of me. And it's some old woman that keeps doing that. And I never get a good look at myself. So it's kind of, you know, funny. So you don't feel like you're old looking backwards when you're there, but you do when you're looking forward. I remember when I was 19, I went, to, went with a guy that was 24. And everybody thought, oh, man, that's an old guy, 24 years old. I liked going with him because he was a cop. And he used to take me into all the bars. I was too young to go in. Not clubs and things. Who's going to question a cop, right? So it was fun. I like you know, I like that aspect of it. But anyway, Jesus changed me, saved me. So anyway, uh, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, I'm glad he included Rahab in here because she was a prostitute. <gasps> How did that happen? God didn't you know she was a prostitute? He knew, and not only was she rewarded here, she ended up being in the lineage of Christ. Wow! You talk about skeletons in your closet. I don't think I have those on them all in mine, but I guess if you go far enough, you're going to find something. I have some ancestor that's a horse thief somewhere. <laughs> But uh, I'm glad he included him because it helped for us. It doesn't matter where your past is. He can change you and he can give you faith. And her faith here didn't, didn't seem like a lot when you think about it. She hid the spies when they came to do the land. But see, we God gave them the fear, his fear of him beforehand. So Ahab, Rahab was already prepared to do this for them. And so she believed him and God honored her faith. And um, everyone was killed but her and her family. Hallelujah. Now, there's more lessons there, but I will not get there. I may want to preach it one day. And and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, Japheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets. Next slide. Verse 33, who thought faith conquered, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered judgments, and gained what was promised. Verse 36, some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They believe that Isaiah was sawed in two. I wouldn't like that either. Actually, there's nothing in here I want (laughs) to have. Kind of make, anyway, they were killed, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Now, as we go through this whole chapter of people, and if you want to read the whole chapter, it names a lot of other people, gives a little more information about them, but this is the Hall of Fame of Faith for us as believers to realize. Now, there's a lot of people that aren't mentioned in there because uh, there'd be too many of them. Once in a while, we'll read uh, people in the Bible, and we, we thought, man, there's only one little reference to that na- them in the whole Bible. Her was in there. Of course, we know there's a movie called Ben-Hur, so we, we know that, but Ben, in that, in the Arab, Arabic language, or the language, or the Israeli language, meant son. So it meant son of her. That was their name, and they always attached that to the name. We know Ben Laden. We're familiar with that. Ben Laden is the son of Laden. So <laughs> it's kind of an interesting thing for them to to uh, identify him. And uh, we have a great history with our names, and I'm not going to go into those either. But uh, just so you you kind of know, but there's... Some of them in there, there's one guy in there named Dodo. And I'm going, who in the world is this guy, and why would you put it in here? Dodo. Of course, I like that name better than some of these names that are this long. At least I can pronounce it. But we maybe we're a Dodo this morning. <laughs> but we can be in this hall of fame because of faith. And we found out that this verse, the key to finishing well, is faith. We can't finish well on our own. We've got to finish well through faith. We enter the kingdom through faith. We live every day of our lives as believers through faith. We can't do it in our own power. When people stumble and fall, some of them that aren't here this morning, they stumble and fail because they lost their faith. They didn't believe. They quit believing. And when we couldn't believe in, we're gone. We've got to have faith. Faith is what keeps us going. The strength to be able to go from point A to point B. The strength to know that it doesn't matter what happens in this life, I'm going to make it. doesn't matter if everybody falls, I'm going to stand. I may trip and, and skin my knee and I may do a lot of things I'm not proud of as a believer, but I'm not giving up because there's always a new day. And so, so the key to it is faith in Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith is it impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We, without faith, we can't become a believer. It's impossible. We can't do it. And we have to please God. And God says, if you don't have faith, you're not going to please him. So every day we try to live on our own strength instead of his, we are not pleasing God. And when we please God, life is better kind of flows through it. The more faith you have, the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. And so that's what we've got to do. We're off until we stand before him. Now, God calls us to, to run the race of life, and that race is in faith. But how do we do that? That's what I want to talk about. One way to develop faith, to go for the gold or the crown, is through fellowship. Now, this seems an unusual thing for us, but it isn't. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1a. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This refers to chapter 11 and all those people whose names we went through who finished well. They're the cloud of witnesses that he's talking about in this verse. Remember, the chapters and verses are put in there by man to help us so we can be on the same page. But they aren't in the original language. So when we go from 11 to 12, it's a continuation of the thought. And he says... That we are surrounded by a great, great cloud of witnesses. Now, during the Olympics, a lot of people are in the stands watching this stuff. And in games, you know that the whether it's a Super Bowl, basketball game, or whatever, the home team feeds off of that crowd, that noise that goes on. And man, they will just you know it's just like giving them a shot of adrenaline. It just keeps them going. And God's telling us we have a great audience. We have a cloud of witnesses that have done it. These are our examples that we need to go after, to be like them. There's a great cloud of witnesses that are there. And we can learn from one another. See, the problem a lot of people have is they don't want to learn from anybody. But I want to learn from somebody that's already been there. If I'm going on a trip from from here to somewhere else and somebody's been there, I want to ask them, what's the easiest way to get there? They're familiar with it, I'm not. This happened a couple weeks ago, and we asked Val about the new road that came in. Where does it come in at? Because we'd never been there that direction. we got to go uh, this week <laughs> in order for a district meeting. But anyway, and so we asked him, how do you get there? Why do I want to sit there and try to go there and trust my own instincts when I've never been there before? And even some of the maps don't include the detours. So we want to talk to somebody that's been there to help us get there. And that's what we are as a body of believers. We want to be here to help each other. It isn't just to come to church and say, Oh, I went to church today. Oh, boy, thank you, Jesus. Here, pat me on the back, God. I'm glad God didn't make my arm any longer because I'm patting my shoulder, not my back. <laughs> so I'll do it this way. There we go. We think we've done our thing. If we if we get to God, I come to church. Oh, I just got home from church. What are you guys doing today? Oh. So it's just kind of like we use it for bragging rights and we think we've done our duty, so I'm good till Wednesday, till I have to do it again. But that isn't what it's about. It's finishing Sunday through Saturday night, 12 o'clock to Sunday morning, 12.01 or 12, uh, 11.59 and 59 seconds <laughs> to the second after. We got to understand it's not just one little piece. And we want to learn from each other. That's why God has all this stuff in here. He doesn't want us to repeat the mistakes. He wants us to learn from them, to fellowship with each other. That's why we're another reason why we come to church. I know we come to get equipped. But if you're just coming here and you never do anything, we get fat and we get lazy, don't we? If you sit home and all you ever did was eat, watch TV, and go to the bathroom and sleep, I guarantee you'd gain 50 50 pounds in six months. Because we can't do that. We have to get up and move around. Well, God created us spiritually to get up and move around. When we move around, we become stronger. I exercise about six days a week, and I hate doing it. It isn't fun to friend for me, but I know if I don't, I won't be able to eat that piece of candy I want to eat. I won't be able to eat that ice cream every night that I like to eat. So when I'm sitting there on that, my elliptical, and I'm exercising, and the sweat's pouring off my face. I think, oh, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. It keeps me going. <laughs> well, we're supposed to look at the things that we're doing here and go, crown, a crown, a crown. I'm going to get a crown. That's what's supposed to keep us going. That and our love for God, it's easier to do but we need to keep moving and keep going because always we get fat and lazy. Next thing we know, it isn't going to be that big a deal for me to go to church. I'm not being fed anymore, so I'm going somewhere else. I've heard that so many times. It just, you know, people said I try to be nice as I can, and, I, and when I preach it, I say, well, you've got to bring your fork. If you want to be fed, you've got to bring, bring something to be ready to eat. We have a whole world of Christians who go to church every Sunday and they're just trying to put in their time and they aren't fed because they don't want to be. They don't come hungry. They come empty or full of the world and full of everything else. And so you can't get any more. I've never once after, after I got through eating a Thanksgiving meal wanted to have it two minutes later, start over again. You can't. You're too full. Man, it's hard. You have to wait an hour or two just to have pie. And you have to have pie because it's Thanksgiving. Doesn't matter how stuffed you are. <laughs> and that's the way we are as believers. And that isn't God's will. God's will wants us to, to do something spiritually. And when we do that, it's through faith, it makes us stronger. See, I know people who live their life with faith and joined this crowd of witnesses. All of us familiar with Grandpa. Grandpa joined that crowd of witnesses. My mom and dad joined that crowd. This really good friend of mine this last year joined that crowd. And now I have to remember all the encouragement they gave me here, and it helps me to continue on because I want to be part of that crowd. And we're, we're in an arena. And man, the people that we know, I don't, like I said, I don't know whether or not they're up there saying, go, Sandra, go, Sandra. I don't know whether they do that or not. They're, I don't can't get anything. The only thing that I know is this verse is in here, a cloud of witnesses. And these are the cloud of witnesses they name. So whether they do or they don't, it doesn't matter because it still encourages me because I want to see them again. You know, people say, oh, we're going to see them again. Not if you don't know God and they don't know God, you're not. It's over if they don't know God and you don't know God. We have to do it God's way, and God's way is through faith. Not to do a bunch of things. See, if I do 100 push-ups every day and I lift this much weight, then I'm going to have muscles. We know those kind of things, so we try to equate that into the spiritual realm, and it doesn't work. We have to have faith, believing that Jesus died for our sin and accepting his payment, and believing he rose from the dead, believing that he's coming for us again one day, and believing that we're going to stand before him one day and be rewarded with an eternal crown of life. Hallelujah, that's exciting. But if you're not a believer, you're going to stand before God, but it isn't going to be for a crown. It's going to be for condemnation to go where you wanted to go, because everybody that goes to hell isn't isn't somebody. Oh, I was going. I thought I'm going to heaven, but I'm going up in hell. No, see, you have to do something in order to go to heaven, and that's accept Christ. You have to believe in Christ. That's the only thing that's going to get you there. Not a bunch of works. Not a bunch of stuff that you can do. Although we want to do those as believers, but it isn't something we're trying to do. Let's see if I if I teach twelve Sunday school classes, then I'm going to be okay. If I go to church 40 times a year, I'm going to be okay. That is the way it works. God says, you're going to give me your whole life. You're going to dedicate to me. You're going to live your life for me. You're going to live in faith and walk in faith. And when you do that and you're committed to God, it's easier. The The problem people have about serving God is they've never been sold out to God. They've already given, well, I'll give you this part of my life. I'll give you my Sunday mornings, and sometimes I'll give you Wednesdays but I'm not giving you any other part of my life. Well, you need to get saved. Because when you come to God and say, I can't save myself, you are trading your life to God for the, the life of death that we are have facing. It doesn't matter what you do. That's the only thing you can do. That's the only thing that we have to do in order to be saved. And when you get up to stand for God, he's going to ask you, what did you do with Jesus? That was the key. <clears throat> Did you throw that ticket on the ground and stomp on it as you went your own way? Or did you accept it? And was your life changed? That's what God And um, But we also know other believers that are still alive, that help us. So we've got to he- have other people. And fellowship is important. That's why we have things that, that include fellowship. It's because it's important to know each other. We're a family. We're going to spend eternity with this, with our family. And it doesn't matter whether you're born in that family, you're born into God's family. And that's what matters. So a lot of my family members of this world, natural family members, they're not part of my spiritual family. They have an option to accept Christ, but if they don't, they're not going to be there. So we need to make sure we're surrendered to God so we can do what we can to reach them. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you just as, in fact, you are doing. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to encourage each other. See, because the whole congregation, the whole body of believers that you're a part of, don't have the same issues at the same time. We won't. And so if you're going through something, chances are there's somebody in this congregation that's been through it. Probably me. (laughs) Especially if it's a physical thing. So we come together and we encourage each other. That's why it's good if someone's lost a loved one that someone that's lost a loved one can talk to them, because they understand. If you've never lost a loved one, you can't understand. It's hard for, you can't do it, I don't care what, somebody else has to, and we don't accept it either, do we? we say, you know, we quote scripture, all things work together for the good for those who love God. Why? Because we don't have an experience with dealing with it. So we have to find cherry pick scriptures to give to them. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's nice, it's comforting in the course of the conversation, but people that would say, I've been there. I know what it's like. I did this. I lost the loved one. Then they say, oh, they understand. And so then you, you have a bond together, and you can encourage them. Say, you know, I made it. I didn't think I would, but I did. And just hang on. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. And you'll get through this with God. That's what God's will is for us, to help each other. We're not an island. It isn't a matter of doing it our way. It's doing God's way. Amen? Uh, Galatians six sixteen, excuse me one b. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore him, and that's the word katharotazo. I have a hard time with these words. That gent- uh, should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now that means complete repair, adjust, fit, frame, men make perfect, perfectly joined together, prepare or restore. That's what that word means. Now, they chose to mean restore because it meant more to them during that period of time. And it, it, it kind of equates to the same thing for us today. Now, most of the time when we as believers sin, it's between us and God. You know, the whole church isn't going to know if you sinned a lot of times, some of the things that we do. But sometimes, we're, some people do a public sin. They sin publicly, and when they get caught, it's not pretty. And I hate it, when, especially when it's somebody that has a big ministry, and all this stuff comes out about them. Public sin is not fun. Uh, and uh, it alleviates a lot of things. And I told you, if, if you're uh, dealing with something, you want to know if you should do it, ask if you'd be proud if it was running up here on the screen. You know, all these people in the, that have fallen in these ministries, it's because they were doing building their kingdom and not God's kingdom. And every time we build our kingdom instead of God's kingdom, we're going to have problems. But God wants us to restore those those people that are uh, public sins. And I've known uh, men of God that have gotten in, got involved in pornography and it was stupid the way they got involved. They think, well, you know, we ne- thought maybe we needed to know a little bit about it so we could help people. Well, they didn't help people. They got caught up in it. And that's, that sin became public. And they had to confess that sin in front of their congregation. And they were disciplined with a year off from having any contact with ministry. And during that year, they were supposed to do certain things. And at that period of time, then they restore them. they allowed to go back and pursue things after they've done everything that's required. The problem that we have today is we've had people that uh, are in ministries, and they get caught in sin, and they, well, they apologize, and that takes care of it. That's what I like about the assemblies of God. There's accountability there. You get caught in a public sin, there is going to be discipline involved. And when you sign on the dotted line, you're agreeing that they can discipline you for those things, and you will adhere to whatever they say. Some people don't. Some people just say, I'm doing that. Forget it, and I'm going to just quit and go start my own. And they've done that. You'd be amazed at the people I could name this morning, because they don't want to be disciplined. And if you don't want to be disciplined, you're going to have a hard time being a Christian, because God spanks us. You ever been spanked by God? Oh, I hate it when he takes me to the woodshed. I don't like it. So I try not to do that. You know, and I didn't like it when my dad did it. Of course, if my dad spanked us, you did not a matter of, of uh, whap, whap, whap. We had to lay on his lap. And there was a belt involved. And there were welts involved. I mean, can you, if I have went to school today, after my dad gave me a whooping, whooping, whipping, whooping, whatever it is, my dad would have be been in jail for child abuse. But he knocked it right out of me. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's not fun. And you can't use books. You know, we tried that, putting books behind your butt. You will get more spankings if I have to remove books. So, and I hated it because when your dad gets home, you're going to deal with you. I hated that. I wish my mom would have just beat me. And sometimes my mom did. Man, my mom smacked my mouth a lot of times. Because I've always had a mouth problem. You, you that know me, know that's true. I still have a mouth problem. It isn't as bad as it used to be. I tried to, tried to take that second before I say something, but you know I tell people I only open, ma- open my mouth to change feet. But I have really clean feet. So, but God has a lot of work to do with me, but he's, I'm not where I used to be. So, but do, God wants us to restore somebody. If somebody's caught in sin, it isn't up to us to, to just condemn them all the time. We have to, to want them to repent and put the sin behind them, and go through a period of time, whatever it might be, especially if they're involved in ministry, in order for them to come back. And when we do that, then it's more apt to not, they won't do it again. Because every time they're tempted with us, oh no, I remember the last time. See, we have no consequences for sin today, do we? Oh, they were always in a broken home. Well, my mom and dad got divorced too. My dad, okay, my mom could do no wrong, and I remember I punched my dad right in the mouth one time because he was bothering my mother, knocked him across the room. Out, out. (laughs) Cops, our daughter ran away. (laughs) But I didn't mess around with a lot of stuff, and uh, God's done a great work with me. But there are consequences with, with the things that we do, and when we do away with the consequences for our kids, we're not doing them any favors. My kids have told me I hate you. And I said, that's all right. I love you. I'm doing this because I love you. They may not like it, but it will sit in their hearts and they'll realize, hey, that behavior is unacceptable. Instead of finding excuses, what it was, just this last week, they found some guy that drove drunk and killed, what, three or four people? And they gave him probation? Well, his parents spoiled him with too much stuff, so it was his parents' fault. Really? Did they force-feed him that booze? I don't think so. He was 19 years old or whatever he was. It's my parents' fault. It's our fault. If you're caught in something, you do something, it's your fault. It's my fault, not my parents'. So we need to start doing with that accountability. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We keep each other sharp. We help each other. We lift each other up. And when I'm talking to somebody, they can say something, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, yeah, it sharpens me. It helps me be stronger. It helps me to understand something. But when we sit around and we don't talk to anybody, don't do anything, we're going to be dull. Christianity isn't supposed to be dull. If you're living a dull life, get close to some iron and start sharpening each other. So you won't be dull anymore. You'll be sharp. Not only in uh, wisdom and things, but in the things God wants you to do. Now, just as athletes learn from other athletes, we are to learn from one another. I mean, when these athletes go to talk to somebody, and they always, if somebody's retired, they usually get grab a hold of them and say, I want you to coach me. Why? Because they've been there. They've done it. They know how to do it. If I'm trying to learn how to figure skate then I'm not going to go get one of the guys that does moguls to teach me how to figure skate. I want to get somebody that knows. And so I want to be able to glean their information into my life and utilize it. So that's what we want to do. So don't turn off on people. They are, they are important to our lives. Hebrews 11one 1b. <clears throat> Let us throw off everything that hinders. The second way to develop faith to go for the gold of the crown is by f- being fitted properly. Now, forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing you are the prisoner. Forgiveness is very important to us as believers. God forgives us, and he wants us to forgive others. We have a lot of people that carry grudges for <clears throat> their whole life, and they won't have anything to do with them. They need to forgive them, because they, that person is still hurting them after 20 years or 100 years. We know the Hatfields and the McCoys. If that feud lasted 100 years and people were killing each other over something. And it was ridiculous for the things, but but hey, I was raised with this hate. And we live in a world that's raised with hate. Now they're raised with hating Christians. You know, those people that they just think they're too good for us, don't have anything to do with them. That's what we're raised with today. But we got to forgive people. That's the number one thing that we do. When God forgives us, we automatically have to forgive others because it sets us free. And I want to be free. We need to eliminate everything that keeps us from serving God. Anything that keeps you from serving God, you need to get up, give up. Get rid of. We need to do that. If we don't, it's going to drag us down. And well, I don't want to be dro- dragged down, do you? Now, I, the U.S. Um, bobsled team, uh, during the last Olympics, they won gold medal in its first time in how many years. And they're a good good luck maybe to win two of them this year. I'm excited about that. But they developed an aluminum sled rail on there that as it went down the ice it sharpened itself. Now that'd be kind of a good thing to have wouldn't it? Gives them the edge. Well it won gold for them last year. But we need to do things that sharpen ourselves. Be able to equip ourselves with the things that we need to do and we need to get rid of the things that hinder us. Now if you watched the uh, opening ceremonies how, if you watched that did you see the of course, there was a lot of hoopla over there, sweaters that they wore for the Olympics, and I don't know whether you've seen them or not, but it looked like a knitted Christmas sweater that people, you know, give people sometimes, and they may wear it once a year or something, but they were sweaters, they were long sweaters, and they looked like a race car, with all these things all over, it, USA, all over the place, all over it, a patchwork quilt, and that was great, they looked nice, they all come in, and the more I looked at it, the more I liked it, I'd like to have a Jesus quilt, wouldn't you? Jesus all over the place, you know, all the names of God. We've got some of them up here listed. Wouldn't that be cool to have? Mmm, that's an idea. You of you that knit, if you want to knit me one, that's all right. Okay. But they have it there, but during their competition, they don't wear those things. Can't you just see the, the snowboarders going down there with his big heavy sweater on? It would hinder them. I'm amazed at the things they do to gain an advantage. The people that do the speed skating, they when they wear all this the stuff that's skin tight. Their heads are like, ooh, whoa. I, okay, I will do that again. Whatever it was, I won't do it. <laughs> but they wear things all of their head all the way down to keep them them the edge so nothing will hinder the wind. And you'd think, man, how does that help? But it does. The swimmers in the Summer Olympics, they wear everything that they can wear. Shave the hair off their legs, and do, and everywhere. They don't have one bit of hair because it may hinder them that 100th of a second. So they do all these kind of things because they want to get rid of everything that may hinder us. Well, we need to do the same thing. We need to get rid of everything that keeps us from serving God. And in in our race, we have to prioritize. I don't know why I'm having such trouble with words this morning. Prioritize. There we go. Everything that we do, the things that are important versus the things that aren't important. Now, some of the things that hinder us is busyness, working all the time. It can be sports. It can be. And as long as it doesn't interfere with your serving God, it's okay. I think God likes sports because, and Paul evidently, he used a lot of examples using sports (coughs) synonyms. But anything that keeps us from worship, discipline, fellowship, ministry, and evangelism, (coughs) that's what we gotta avoid. That's what that will hinder us. Now, as believers, I tell us there's a certain order of things in serving God. God comes first, then your spouse, then your family. Your immediate family, and then the church. <coughs> as long as you keep those in the right order, you're going to have you're going to be okay. But when you try to put your kids ahead of God or ahead of your wife or, or husband, you're going to have problems. And it's hard sometimes to do, especially for women, to be able to put their spouse ahead of their kids. We think, oh, I live for my kids. And Randy gave me a good example of that because if you know, when we got married, I, I had little my kids were little five and four and six or something like that, and they were little. And we were talking, and, and uh, I was telling him, you know, I'm just going to live for my kids. You know, and he said, well, you know, that's all one good, but your kids are going to grow up and leave home, and then what are you going to do? They're going to be gone. And that just kind of hit me, you know, that's right. Because kids, they grow up anywhere they're supposed to grow up and, and do things that, that we're, they're not going to be under our house. They're not going to be four or five years old anymore. So we've got to realize if that's our life, then it's going to be hard for us to let them go, to let them live their own life, isn't it? So that gave me a, a wake up call, and I realized, you know, he's right. Randy's a pretty smart guy. Amen, Pastor. Amen. No. So, <laughs> I like to have fun, don't you? People that say Christians don't have fun have never been a Christian. <laughs> so, anyway, we need to put them in the right order, and we do. It works out. And, uh, and that includes, especially, when people in ministry. When people are involved in ministry, it's hard to put your family on the back burner. Or we do that anyway. We do it too much sometimes. And the kids grow up, they don't want anything to do with God or church. Why? Because their parents were never home. They were never parents to them. Our church life cannot interfere with our family life. If you want your kids to grow up and be a Christian, let them know that you're important to them. The kids are important to you. It'll help you a lot. Uh, Let's see, Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now I like sports related to sports because everybody involved in a, a team sport, Team USA or whatever, they have a uniform, don't they? They have certain things, certain uniform that they have for each event that they have. Well, Christ is our uniform. We put have to put Christ on. He covers us with his righteousness, but we're required to put him on every single day of our life, every minute of every day, every second. We have to be aware of it. And he's our uniform. And when he's in it, and when, he's, when we cover ourselves with him, and his righteousness covers us, we're going to be fine. It's when we take the, inner, in, the uniform off, we have problems. When we're trying to walk or do something without God in our lives, we're going to fail. And then we look back and say, God, you failed me. You didn't do this. Well, you took your uniform off. You wanted to do that, and you tried to do it without God. And when you do that, you're throwing your uniform off. And you have to do it the way God says to do it. And when we do, hey, we're going to win. <clears throat> and no one has ever won anything in, the, in a game, in the gold medal, anywhere it is, without practicing and with working hard. When, you, when they interview people and they, and they tell you how, well, how hard, it'd be hard for me to work four years for one event. That would be hard enough four years from now? But that's what they do. Up in the morning, every, at 5 o'clock every morning, they start practicing and do all this other kind of stuff all day. Then they do their school. Then they come back. Man, that'd be hard. But they, they're, they're locked into that. The second way to develop faith, to go over the gold or crown, is by, by as I already said, by seeking forgiveness, which is throw off everything. Uh, that one B and C. Let's see where I'm at. Yeah, build the Next slide. So if everything hinders and sin that easily entangles, each of us have a sin or something that we have to struggle with. What I struggle with may be different than you, what you struggle with. But we're the ones that have to take it off. We're the ones that have to eliminate it. God doesn't take away every, every desire we have to sin. It'd be nice if he would, but he doesn't. He wants us to struggle with some things because it makes us stronger. And I want to be a strong Christian, don't you? So we need to do it something that I struggle with It won't be anything for you. But the society wants us to believe that there's no such thing as anything that's wrong. Sin doesn't exist. And, they'd let, and they make it legal. We have a, a legislation body that's making sin, they're calling sin legal. And we think just because it's legal, it's okay. Don't believe the lie. God's word tells you what's right and wrong. It doesn't matter what man said. If you're listening to man, you're going to be in trouble. You need to listen to God and we listen to God and do it his way, you're going to find out the race is a lot easier to work and to run. <clears throat> See, Jesus' death on the cross provides forgiveness as we confess our sins. We don't like to confess sins. We like to think, oh, I don't do anything wrong. And sometimes when we come to God, we have to, we have to confess individual sins if God brings it to our mind. We usually do a generic, forgive me my sins. But then during the week, we start ava- examining our lives, and God starts showing things in our life we need to confess, when we confess them, that means we're going to do our best to get rid of them. We don't want to get trapped in them. See, sin will take us further than we want to go and keep us longer than we want to stay if we don't receive God's forgiveness. Let me read that again. Sin will take us further than we want to go and keep us longer than we want to stay if we don't receive God's forgiveness. When you start falling into that trap of sin, it's going to be easier to do the next sin and the next sin. Same with with um, not coming to church. You miss one week, and you think, oh, well, I can miss a week, and you do. And it bothered maybe a little bit, but then the next week it didn't bother you as much, and pretty soon it didn't bother you at all. Pretty soon, Sunday's just another day of the week. So we have to keep reminding ourselves of those things, reminding us of the things that we need to do as believers. We're forgiven after we, we repent, but we're supposed to throw it off. We're not supposed to let us hinder us anymore. The third way to develop faith to go for the gold or the crown is by being focused. Evan Lindsay, Linzick couldn't practice but he spent the day in bed recovering from the flu visualizing his program. In fact, when he completed his performance and did well, he put his hands on his head. When asked what he was thinking at that point, he said, "It it really looked took a couple of seconds to know if I was just if this was just me going through it in my head or it was really my performance." He had such focus in what he was thinking about. He didn't know the difference between doing it in his head and actually doing it. And that's what we need to do as believers. We need to focus on what we want to do. That's why we need goals and things that we need to do. And I remember, um, if you look at the athletes, when they're getting ready to do something, you know, whatever it is that they're sitting there and they're focusing on the event they're going to do, they get, you know, they... Whatever they do, they have a ritual thing that they do before they get involved in what they're doing. They're focusing themselves, they're shutting out the external world and focusing on their task at hand. Now, I remember years ago, oh, probably 30 years ago, a uh, football coach um, had all of his football team go in the gym and lay on the ground, turned all the lights off, and they, he told every single one of those football players, I want you to visualize whatever your position is. If you're a quarterback, I want you to visualize throwing that pass. If you're a wide receiver, I want you to visualize catching that pass. If you're a blocker, I want you to visualize taking out the opponent. All that position that you play, I want you to visualize it in your mind. And he was a lot really successful. What makes you successful? What made you successful? And he he said this, this caused them to win more games. And now we've learned that more since that period of time because we're taught that in the sports boards they're, they're taught that visualize it before you do it and you actually you visualize yourself doing it and we as believers we need to do that too we need to visualize standing on the, the reward ceremony and getting our crown Woo, that'd be enough to give you goosebumps and if it can't visualize that enough imagine you're standing on the, that podium with a gold medal and the national anthem for Christ is playing that would do it that would make you excited, it would me anyway. Of course, I get more excited sometimes, you know, when I'm not quiet and shy, of course. Hebrews twelve two. it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We develop faith by focusing on Jesus, focusing on the right things. We spend a whole life sometimes focusing on the wrong things. Are you focusing, focusing on a career, your job, all those other kind of things? And I'm not saying they're wrong. We have to do that. But we have to focus on Christ first. That's got to be our priority. When we do that, the other things will fall into place. It's amazing how God works that out in our life. So we want to focus on Christ. Uh, silver medalists... Fraud Still of Norway, I can't even pronounce their names either, uh, of Norway fell at the start of the men's 3,000-meter cross-country. And I don't like cross-country races. I don't really like to watch. I like to watch the last lap, (laughs) the last of it. I like that part. But anyway, and broke his ski in a collision with another skier's and was the last one to leave the stadium. But he didn't give up. He skied on a broken, had a broken ski, and he's. Skied the race, marked out for him. He found a ski during the race and pressed, and pressed on. When he got back to the stadium for the last leg of the race, he was in about 10th place. But he didn't give up. He pressed on, and at the finish line, he was second. See, he faced a lot of obstacles in his life. I mean, I can't even imagine trying to ski with a broken ski. It'd be really hard to do. But he didn't give up. He could have said, well, I guess that's it. I tried. I got 100 feet, and I tried. But I didn't make it. No, he he worked for he worked his whole life just for that, that moment in time. He worked and he worked and he pressed on. So he wasn't gonna let that handicap get him, and he didn't give up. Finally, he got another ski, and then he went on his way. Of course, he had to take time to put it on too. So everything he did had to do because of this. He had to overcome it. He had to try harder than anybody else in order to get the same result. And we need to press on. Doesn't matter what happens. If we stumble and fall, don't give up. Get up one more time. We need to do that. So we develop faith through perseverance and a desire to finish well and being faithful. Uh, Hebrews 12.3, B, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, the problem that we have, we grow weary. We get tired of doing things because we're doing them in our own strength. When you do it in your own strength, you're going to get tired and you're going to get weak and you're going to give up. But see, the secret is doing it in his, his strength. He gives all of us a measure of faith. That's the faith to accept him as as a believer. But then it's up to us to add to those things. A couple, two weeks, last week I talked about add to your faith virtue. You have to have faith before you can add anything else to it. We do it one step at a time too. We don't try to add everything on here. If you're a new believer, you can't expect to know what I've learned in my years of studying. You're not going to learn it overnight. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to press in and work at it in order to do it. But if you don't give up, you're going to make it, and you won't get weary if you're doing it God's way. So how do we finish well and receive a crown? Through fellowship with those in our life and set an example of living with faith, by being fitly fitted properly, by throwing off everything that hinders us, and putting on Christ. <clears throat> by being faithful with our time, goals, and priorities. By seeking forgiveness as we throw off the sin that entangles us. Play around with sin. A lot of people just play around with it. They want to see how close I can get to it without getting burnt. Well, I guarantee you, it's, it's closer than you think. How, well, I don't care how close you're trying to get to it, it. Don't, because you'll get burnt. And especially hidden sin that needs to be confessed. There's a lot of hidden sin in the body of believers. They don't want to admit it's there because they think, if I don't, I don't have to give it up if I uh, leave it there hidden and don't think about it. Well, if God's bring to your members, you need to get rid of it. And if you're doing sneaking around to do something, God isn't happy. And if you keep doing it, pretty soon it's going to be up here on the screen. Maybe not here, but somewhere else. Be sure your sin will find you out, God says. The only sin you're not going to be found out for is the ones that are under the blood. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> and we need to, uh, by focusing our lives and goals on Christ, if we expect to win a crown, we've got to de- develop our faith. And we have to do the work. We're the ones that have to do it. None of those athletes that are going to be in these Olympics just woke up one morning and said, I won't be in the a- a- athlete today. I want to be a speed skater and get on the skates and win. It won't happen. There's, there's commitment. There's practice. There's all kinds of things they need to do. And the same thing applies to us. We need to perfect our faith. We need to add to it if we expect to win. We can lay on the beach of life and let Satan kick sand in our face or we can be strong and stand. I know years ago they used to have all these uh, beach, beach movies. Muscle Beach Party and different things, and all the big guys that kick on the little wimps, kick sand in their face. Well, that's what the devil wants to do to you. And how's he going to do it? He can't do it if you're standing up. It's hard to kick sand in somebody's face that high. But if you're down, it's easy. I'm not going to stay down. We need to get up because the devil will be right there with his foot in the sand, ready to kick in your face. And I'm going to kick sand in his face. And I'm going to step him because he's under our feet. So when we want to finish well, I want to finish well, don't you? Let's pray. (coughs) President Father, Lord, I'm thankful for your word, and I'm thankful, Lord, for all the examples we have today, Lord, to equate our Christian life, Lord, with the world we live in, because it makes some of the messages you want to give us, Lord, to be more understandable. And, Lord, I know that (coughs) serving you, Lord, is is sometimes a challenge. But, Lord, if we concentrate our lives and focus on you, and remember how much you love us, and let your love flow through us, all these things we go through will be a lot easier. Lord, And if we do the things you've called us to do, Lord, it'll develop our faith. And we can believe you for the big things and the little things. So, Lord, I just pray that for this congregation, Lord, and I pray that for my own life. Lord, as we all strive together to win the prize, we all want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, or the reward seat of Christ, Lord, and get that crown. And it's going to be an exciting day for us when we stand there. But Lord, then those crowns that you've given us, Lord, as we worship you, we're going to throw them at your feet. Because you are the one that did it for us. We have nothing that we stand before you, we can claim. We have no righteousness of our own. We have no hope without the cross, without your death. So Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to realize it and help us to keep on keeping on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you haven't joined the race, you're going to be struggling. You're on the beach laying around, the devil's kicking sand in your face every time you turn around. Now, it's great. I know that life has been a challenge in a lot of things. But it's easier to go through things with God than it is without him. I'll tell you, I replaced my drinking with God. And I didn't have to worry about hangovers. Didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Because God changes you from the inside out. Religion wants to change you from the outside in. And that's why it doesn't work. That's why when we struggle to do things, we can't do it. Because we're trying to do it from the external. And I want to do it for the internal. So someone here said, I don't... I can't get a crown because I don't know God. Anyone here this morning? I know most of us are Christians, but just in case. Okay.